1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Andre I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. All right, well, we got Dan on the line. And I started thinking, I probably shouldn't have shared those pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got Don Higgins on. Um, anything that's got to do with uh, chasing big deer, I've got my hands in it somehow, so. Well, my name's John Eberhardt. The first one that comes to mind was early in my career. I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, I had jumped him in the summer, too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom lake. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing it, there ain't nothing stopping me. Justin Hollinsworth, I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So what are we talking about tonight? We're uh, we're talking about the one that got away. They talked about a deer that you didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming at you with the last episode of the one that got away, guys. We're wrapping up this series. We really hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, we've we've really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed recording these episodes. Um, and we're going to talk to Justin Hollinsworth tonight. This is one of our f- most favorite, you know, getting kind of well-known but not giant-named white hunter out there. And we saved this one last because he's talking about a lot of late-season bucks in this one that he's trying to get done on, making moves late-season. So we wanted to save this to where that was kind of more relevant. Um, much loved, uh, Justin. And uh, we're going to get into the people that get this, get this make this show possible. We're going to get into the show Start off with the ride, ride on optics. Last time I want to touch on it, guys. I just want to talk about their unlimited lifetime warranty again. Um, this is a veteran-owned and operated company, uh, and a veteran to law enforcement. So um, that unlimited lifetime warranty, you don't need. You don't need a code. You don't need a receipt. You don't need anything. You just need a product. Go on their website and say, "Hey, I got something that's broke or not working." I'm going through a scope issue right now that I wish I had that. That would be very efficient to me. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, so you can find out them at rightonoptics.com. Yeah, guys, Last Breath TV here. Uh, it's been a blast, you know, being a part of the team here this year and seeing everything that happens and what it takes to 
make the show into what it is for them. And, um, you know, they're just normal guys like Cody and I are, what you guys love about us so much. And um, they're, they're the same as us. And uh, it'd be really solid of you to go over there to their YouTube and, and subscribe and check out a couple of their shows. And I know if you haven't watched them yet and, and you do that, uh, you'll be blown away and you'll, be, you'll become a fan. So uh, go ahead and head over to YouTube. All right, I'm going to hit you with the Black Rifle code, guys. Use code Whitetail Legacy to get you 20% off your Black Rifle coffee needs. Uh, Exodus Trail Cameras. We're getting into the nitty-gritty here of season. Um, you might be into a couple areas for the last time of the year uh, hunting. So if you got a camera there, snag that puppy. If, uh, if it's in some doe bedding or something, and try to get it back out to the edge and get it on a food source here. And uh, let that thing just sit out there and freeze <laughs> and uh, hopefully get some intel. And, you know, maybe you come back here after a good, good snow or some really cold temps and get some deer headed to a food source. And you can slip in there and snag one here late season. So um, I really like to run cams that time of year, late season on food source just to see what lives too. Yeah. See what made it through shotgun, rifle season, made it through the rut, you know. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but for us, like, end of November, only the diehards are still hunting. Mm -hmm. It's real. There's not very many people out there. People are gave up. They're kind of over it. Maybe they've already killed a buck. Their freezer's full, whatever they got going on. But if you can find a scraggler out there, there's still definitely a chance to kill. So I think a lot of people think it's cold out there, but really, you only have to go out there for about two and a half hours mm -hmm. in the evening. So, so if, if you, you have the gear, it ain't bad. And, it's yeah, just and, when you don't have the gear, that's when it's bad. I remember when I yeah. didn't have the gear, it was tough to motivate yourself to go. But I think toughing out a late season sit in the evening is not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do it multiple, you know, I, I hunt hard as, hard as hell in late season, mm -hmm. try to. So I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all, but I like it because there's not as many people out there. So, but that's something to think about. Don't give up. Still time. Still lots of season left. All right, we got the Badlands code. Um, yep. Yep. Reach out if you need that Badlands code. It is late season, and the prior suit would be pretty nice to have right now, or maybe some late season gear. Maybe you need a beanie. Maybe you need some gloves, something. We can save you a little bit of money, and you can get that little discount on a lifetime warranty product. So. You think they're they're warranty my gloves since I cut the fingers out of them? <laughs> I, don't I don't know what happened to these fingers, man. Yeah. Clean cut right across. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, like I said, we hope you enjoyed this series. Uh, we're gonna get into the last episode here. We love you guys. Um, hopefully, we had a couple episodes in here where we jumped in with kills. Hopefully, we had four episodes we had jumped in here with kills. But um, we'll be back at you normal coming up soon. And we got we got a lot of people that are wanting to come on, and we're gonna. Make it fun, fresh, and uh, kind of get off the tactic talk and just get back to kind of BS whitetail shit talking out here. So, all right, guys, here we go. All right, we got another special guest coming on with us. We actually recorded back-to-back -back episodes with this dude, so shout out to him for putting up with almost two hours of us in one night. But how you doing tonight, Justin? Good. I'm glad glad to be on. Yeah. Like, like, like hanging out and BSing with you guys. Yeah, we love chit-chatting with you and – uh Get some inside scoops from yeah, us get, tonight for yeah, sure. Get some inside <laughs> scoops from us. There only yeah. one other guy in the world that knows what we got going yeah. on. Right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey like, man, I'm your silent, yeah. I'm your silent partner. It's like it one ranges. guy at the archery shop and one guy that's like, I got these boys. <laughs> 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 They're out there. They don't even know what's going on. 
Oh, but yeah. So, um, like I said, we wanted to find the people that we respect the most that are just absolute stone cold killers to come on and talk about a buck that got away from them for some reason. So, you're on the one that got away series. Um, just for the people that don't know you, um, tell them a little bit about yourself and your past hunting, and then we'll get right into the story. Um, I'm uh, Justin Hollinsworth. I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Um, I've uh, been I've been bow hunting um, ever since I was a kid, but I never killed my I never killed my first Pope and Young animal until I think I was twenty. I think I was twenty seven. Um, uh, when I, when I first killed my, my first Pope and young and, and now at 40, when I 46, I think, uh, I got, I don't know, probably 22, 23 that would grow score, uh, Pope and young. I've never registered anything in the book. I don't, I mean, I don't think I've ever, I, to me, I've never killed anything worthy, worthy enough to, uh, uh, go down that path, you know? Um, so, um, but I just, I'm just ate up with whitetails and just, and lo- just love bow hunting. It's all I do. Well, like I said, you, you know, I think you did it a little bit humbly there. Um, one of the most consistently killers that we know, you know, and that's why we wanted to have you on. Everybody can kill, just like me. Like, oh, you killed a 190, you got me beat, dude. I ain't got nobody beat. When you can consistently kill for years and years and years, that's when you got people beat. That's when. I would rather kill for 10 years and shoot one 190. If, if someone was like, you got to go on a 10-year streak to shoot another giant, I'm out. I'm out the book. Just let me shoot 10 140s. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's about, man. You want to get that rush, you draw them back, you want to make it happen, you want to get that track job, the recovery. That's the good shit. That's the good stuff we're out there for. And that's yeah. why I wanted to have you on because you're just an absolute consistent killer. And that's something that yeah. a lot of people, it's hard to find. I got some good advice too along the way. I remember years ago getting this advice and, and it was, you know, don't, don't get caught up in, you know, trying to kill, you know, 150, 160 inch deer every year, you know, start off, you know, have some, you know, have some fun, kill some deer, you know, get experience under your belt and, and work your way up. And, and I remember like, you know, killing some small deer, stuff like that, growing up and everything else. And then, like I said, I don't think I killed my first, my first gross Pope and young animal was until I was 27. Um, but I had some years in there too, that, you know, I was, you know, probably more so trying to get my career and all that kind of stuff kind of in line more than I was so much of the hunting part of it. And then once I, once I got a taste of that, that, that first, you know, deer that would score over that. And I, I, I know everybody says, ah, I don't care about score. Uh, well, whatever I do. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I do. do want to I, I like big deer, I, you know, I, I, I do too. You yeah. know, I look at trail cameras, you know, you, we all look at trail cam pictures and we're all like guessing, Oh, what's this thing going to score? We're all throwing our guesses out there and stuff like that. Yeah. I run a tape on my deer when I get them down because I want to see if I was close mm. or, you know, if I was, or, or I wasn't close. And, and I'll tell you, if you and, start doing um, that, you'll be way better on the trail cam picks. Mm-hmm. Cause we are adding sure. like 10 to 12 inches, yeah, 10 to 15 inches, every buck. And then we started scoring. 
what one night we scored every deer we ever shot, mm-hmm. and then we, we, then now we kill a deer. We're damn near right on the money of what it is. Like we got a really good and that ten twelve inches. We're always like a little <laughs> like ah, it's probably smaller than we think. So we're gonna go ten inches less than what we think it is. And you it's know? still funny to talk to you know just people buddies you know yeah. and that, that might not have scored a lot of deer and. They're always they're still adding that ten inches. Yeah, I'm like, ah, it's the one fifty five. I'm like, <laughs> it's it's funny too because like, you know, TV and stuff like that is like made this score thing as far as you know, like a hundred and forty inch deer is still a freaking big deer. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Now, do I target a hundred and forty inch deer anymore? No, but you know, like, because I've you know I've killed. You know some of those deer, and I'm just trying to step up my my game every year for a bigger caliber of animal. But like, you know, I I'll tell anybody that's just getting into this: have some fun, shoot some deer, um, and play the game, and 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 set your goals every year for just something a little, you know, bigger every year. That that makes it fun. It's like a competition you know, with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, to see if you can do it and see if you can hone your skills enough to, to get to that point. Yeah. And that's, that kind of, I don't know, that kind of trips my trigger. I don't, I really don't care what anybody shoots. I love seeing big deer. You know, if somebody shoots a giant deer, if you guys were to shoot a giant deer and send it to me, I, I love seeing that. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I get fired up over that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't, compete with you you know it's mm-hmm. not like i'm competing against you or no i want to see Keith everybody kill or, a deer and then i want to know how'd you do it man what'd yeah, you do right? what made it happen what's the secret yeah. sauce yeah. what sauce you got going yeah. over there you're hunting in illinois and right? that's a, yeah okay and, that, and that's a and that's the other thing too is so many guys too just uh um you gotta stay i think it's so important to stay humble enough to be able to not think you're too far and above anyone or whatever because i've i've heard some stuff from some guys that that hadn't killed a whole lot of big deer and and picked up some stuff and i'm like hmm you know never heard that before and take and i've taken that to the field in the back of my mind and and put it to use and it's worked mm. and i still use it today so i uh, you know uh i i don't think you should let you know, leave any stone unturned, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Something we just said a couple of ago. It's one of the best hunters for knowledge is a farmer that don't even hunt. <laughs> He's got hella, sure. hella whitetail knowledge, never drawed a bow back. You no, know? Yeah. But he knows what's going on at certain times of the year. And you say, hey, man, you see anything over here? You see any action? He might give you a little tidbit and be like, oh, yeah, this, like our lease. The ladies live there for like seven years. She's like, well, the whole seven years I've been here, the spot that I've seen the biggest deer consecutively is right here. I'm like, perfect. We go there, hang a camera, boom, shooter. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. Yep. This is this is this is what we need right here. We should have talked to her sure. a week ago, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but well, we had you on the podcast, a little different than you're normally coming on to talk about a deer that you didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so. Uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. We we could get into probably twenty of these, but we'll just talk about one, <laughs> and probably the one that 
I don't know, probably the one that's still like just to think about it and just kind of just that deer just I had a deer dead so many times it's not funny so this was a when we first learned about the deer he was a three-year-old and um he was as a three-year-old he was in the 150s just a big clean typical 10 and we picked up a shed from that deer that year and and he just looked like he just had the makings you know he had the big long fours um and just a big huge 10 point frame and didn't seem like he was going to get junk you know he didn't seem like he was going to get a bunch of junk on him either the following year um i killed a buck early uh i killed a buck here in the first week of season and um i got out there and and I well, I started getting pictures on a cell cam of this deer pretty consistently on a scrape. And I got there late and I couldn't go in that f- the first the first evening. And I slid in, got set up, and the deer uh, it was about probably eight thirty. I had two small bucks come in. It's the only two deer I've seen all morning. And this is during late October. And they were down below me sparring and they kind of pushed off to my right and kind of behind me. And I would look over from time to time and, and, and just listening to those two spar. And about the third or fourth time that I turned around and looked over there, he's standing there and he's standing at 25 yards. And I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta get this bow in my hand. And then I got a turn and I did not have a shooting lane in that spot over there, but I had a mock scrape that was set up in there. And I was, and that's a, where I was getting pictures of him and that deer, um, he came through at 25 yards and I could not through as much as I wanted to, there was nowhere I could squeeze a shot off. And then I thought I was trying to stay patient in the moment too. So the deer hooked around, went back to his bed, didn't go to that scrape, hunted that deer, saw that deer one other time um, while I was there for those four or five days. Um, Came back, hunted him hard again, couldn't get on him. Then during late season, I went out there and and the deer was still on the property and he made it through the gun seasons and everything else and i went out there and this would have been my third trip um and i get out there the deer's on the he's running with four other bucks now during late season and every time i set up on the deer he would pop out on the other end. And I'm like, how am I going to get, like, how am I going to get to this deer? And the the access, and the the other problem was the access was so limited and there was a, and there was snow on the ground too now. And I had to cross big open fields to get there. So this is a funny story that you guys would probably get a kick out of. So I'm in a hotel room and wake up 
and this would have been 2018. And you guys in Illinois, you guys get just absolutely dumped on with a big snowstorm in late season. It was, and I mean, a ton of snow. Well, I had my electric bike, and it was like, okay, there's no way I can ride this thing around anymore. This thing's done done for on this trip. And I only had I only had that evening left. And I was on the phone with Heath, and I told him, I was like, I got to get all the way back there. But my concern is, is that they're going to see me going across that field. And him and I come up with this. I don't even know where this came from, but we come up with this idea that I'm going to take the bed sheets from <laughs> the hotel and I'm going to drape these bed sheets over me because I'm walking across this big wide open field as white as can be, you know, just, yeah, it's got a foot of like snow. A ghost going in there, bro. <laughs> Well, I told him, I was like, I'm either looking, people are going to think either I'm, I'm, I look like a ghost or a Ku Klux Klan member. Yeah. This is not going to be good. So we got to, I said, we got to be careful with this because that's the last thing I want. So, so I went, I hooked around that night because I knew, because it just, to me, the deer was coming out one side or the other of that field because he was seeing me somewhere. That's literally what I did. I literally cut the eyes out of that damn thing. <laughs> Not, no exaggeration. Epic. Walked, Whatever it takes. Walk, man. Walked all the way across that field. And I'm like, okay, I got, I had a couple preset stands. One of them was on a fence row on this, on this field. And the other one was like back in the woods. And and I thought that he was betting more back towards woods and I felt like I needed to get close to him. But then, but then there was something that kept telling me too, like, nah, just go hunt the safe spot, you know, go hunt the. Oh no. Oh, mid story. Oh, oh there you oh. go. Back. I got to I go in deep, go into that stand into the woods just as I'm entering or about to enter the woods he walks by a cell cam that's on that fence row oh. over there where I was going to go. And he's walking away from me. So I look at that and I'm like, I mean, and it's a long walk through a bunch of deep snow to get back there. I mean, it was, I, I was a sweaty mess by the time I got back there. So I get in the stand, I'm completely discouraged. I, it's like, you know, my last evening, so as the night goes on, I see a ton of deer. I mean, I had deer on me all night. I had these six does, and they were just kind of hanging around me all night and everything else. And, and then towards the end of the evening, I had a small buck come in to my to my left, and I'm left I'm I'm left handed, so he comes in on my bad side, even if it was a big deer. And then about a hundred and fifty inch deer that we called Loppy. He's got this great big broken ear. He comes in and I'm like, man, I should shoot that, that deer because he, and he's an older buck. And then it just kind of like dawns on me. I was like, man, we called this deer high rise. The one I was trying to kill. And I'm like, that's that buck. 
he's high has been hanging around with that buck this whole late season. And I, and I just slowly turned and looked over my shoulder and he's standing back there at 20 yards on my bad side. And I got six does out in front of me here. I got those two bucks down below me here. And, and I'm like, how am I going to get my bow hooked up, stand up? Cause I'm going to have to stand up to turn around to shoot. Um, or do I just let this happen? That deer came down the hill. And anyways, finally just got to the point. I was like, I got to make a move. I got to do something. So I drew and stood all in one motion and got cracked by that doe and everything blew out of there. He didn't know what, it, he didn't know why they left and they left out of there and, and, um, and I never got a crack at him the rest of the season. Cause that was right at the tail end of the season. And I remember sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I should just, call off work a couple more days i should just just you burn up a couple more vacation days and get this deer killed but i'd already made three trips out trying to kill that deer all season and then my my i guess my own guilt too of like you know being away from work um more importantly being away from you know my wife and son and i'm like the guilt starts to I was like, ah, oh, just, you've made three trips. You, now you're just being selfish. Just give it up. So I drove home. So that March, we go out there. We pick up one side to him. So I'm like, okay, he's back. He's going to be back in there again and have a chance to hunt, hunt him. So. I didn't get a chance to get back out there till it was the last week of October. And when I got back out there, um, he was kind of MIA off the farm. I got pictures of him in the early season, but that was kind of it. I went in, hunted a big open cut cornfield and I could see a long ways from this point. All I wanted to do, I figured if I could just lay eyes on him, then I could make a move, you know, then I could start to play the game and make my moves accordingly to, to what he was doing. I hunted that spot in an evening, left all my stuff in that tree and hunted the deer. Um, to a, uh, a stand that we have in a timber up on this ridge. So I get up there, hunted for like, I don't know, till like probably noon or so. Maybe, maybe it, was, it was closer to one. And I had a cell cam on a small little clover plot, and he walked across that clover plot at 1.30. I pulled my phone out at one point, and I'm like, oh, God, he's all the way over there. I'm like, he's back in here, but he's all the way over there. So I literally, it, it, it'd probably been funny to watch how 
fast I was going down that tree to get back to my bike, to get back over to that other side. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to go over there and try to cut him off tonight. Cause he's going to come back out. Cause I thought he was in this, this hedge thicket and I thought he was going to come back out. Honoding didn't see him that night. A few days later, I, I went in and I, I went in and just scouted this whole spot. I'm like, I'm just going to go in here and I'm just going to burn it up and just put some boots on the ground. And, and I cut a big track. Um, and that deer, he kind of had a real recognizable track, the kind of the way that it was shaped. I'm like, man, that's gotta be him. He's gotta be coming out over here. And there was a fence gap opening coming off the neighbors on the backside of this place. And with the, with the wind, the, the way that it was for that evening, I'm like, you know what? I, I'd like to be over here on this other side. And, and this is part of a, I guess, part of a mistake that I made on this deer instead of like, you know, not following my gut, not following that hunch, um, which I think is just so important. It's our natural instinct as a, as a, you know, as a hunter to, to, to have that. And when you don't follow it nine times out of 10, I believe that you, you, you probably cost yourself a deer and 100% that cost me that deer that night, the tree that I would have been on, I, instead of going and, and hunting right off that trail where that deer would have came out at 10 yards, I hunted back hoping he would come out then work his way out because I was too worried about what the wind was doing. And I was too worried about what the other deer might and how that might affect them and then blow my opportunities. Um, you got to take gambles to kill big deer. And I didn't that night and the tree that I knew I shouldn't have been on, he came right out at 10 yards under it. He came out, worked a scrape on the opposite end of the field, and I, I'm a, when I say opposite end of the field, he's and he's only 80 yards when he comes out. So it wasn't like I was 200 yards from the deer or something like that. I mean, it's a small field, and he goes down and he works some scrapes. He worked, and then he he worked every doe in that field that night, and we're talking about 180 inch typical just a stud. I mean, just clean and just, I mean, the footage, I'll send you guys some video clips of this and it just, just an awesome deer. He worked those does on every field edge and corner of that field, except the corner I was setting it. At one point he was pushing those down to me and one of the does double backed and, and he, he followed her. So they cleared out of there, went in, hunted the deer again that night or that morning, left everything in the tree because I still had the same wind. Um, cause I'm real good about that. I'll, I'll leave everything, my bow, everything. And just, I, I think it makes it so easy just for that setup in the morning. Didn't seem that night I set up on the other end of the field because the wind switched. And this was the thing that I was doing. I was so worried about hunting like this perfect wind, even though I know better at times, I still do. I still revert back to these 
these idiotic things that some of us do at times. And instead of going over and, and taking the gamble and hunting a kind of, I wouldn't say a bad wind, but something that you have a much better chance of getting cracked on. Um, I didn't. So I played it safe. He comes out again. Even I even thought about setting up over there. Comes out on a doe. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now he's going to come out over there and come out last light. And he just, she fed and he just followed her around like a, like a puppy. So they go all the way down into this point and they go in at last light. I come back the next morning and in the morning I was worried that they were going to be in that field. So I, I slid, I slid in on the backside of the fence row and came up, got set up that morning and, and there was a big snowstorm blowing in and it was raining that morning when I got in there. And then it changed over to ice and then later turned over to sleet. And there was like 25 and 35 mile an hour winds. I mean, it was rocking up there. There was two small bucks that came out and they started to go down into that little cut where they went in earlier. And I thought, I thought they're going to go down there and bump those two. You know, sure shit. Here comes this doe flying out of there. And I'm like, man, I wonder if that's that doe. And about that time, the two small bucks come out chasing her, and he comes following. And, I mean, it sounded like it trees. It sounded like trees crashing in there. I mean, they were just going nuts chasing her all over. And it got, it got quiet for about 10 minutes. And over to my right-hand side, here they come at my, like Mach one, here they come. And I'm like, Oh shit. And I knew as soon as she popped out, I just drew my bow. Cause I already had my bow in my hand. I just drew my bow. Cause I'm like, it's, I know he, they're coming and I could not stop. They passed by me at 15 yards. I could not stop that deer for nothing. So now we're up to three encounters with that deer inside of 25 yards. I can't get him killed. I mean, it's just like the deer, just, I mean, he just had my number. Goes back in, they're crashing all over. I, I sat there uh, probably way longer than I should have because that tree was completely ice and trying to get down it. I remember trying to get down it and I was like, I'm going to take my, my safety harness and like as I go down, like making sure like I'm tied off to something because it was, we had the, it, it was a, a stand that we'd had in there for a long time. And it was the old lone wolf sticks that were kind of that they're real tight up against the tree with the short little pegs. Mm -hmm. And man, I, I just, I was worried about falling out of that thing coming out of there that night and, uh, or that morning. And I went back in and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go for broke because I'm running out of time. And I went down in there and I'm like, yeah, I know they're down in here somewhere. I'm going to go as far as I think I can go without taking too much of a gamble. And I got in there so far and I bumped them. I bumped him and that doe. 
they were laying right next to the, uh, the creek. I made that turn. They were laying like right on like a little island that jogged out on the creek right there. It was an odd spot for them, and they just bailed out of there. And I remember like, God, you got to be kidding me, man. So I, you know, I think, you know, back about, you know, hunting that deer and just all the things that I did. And I was excited. Even we went back out there in March and we picked up both sides of that deer and he was low one eighties. And I'm like, yes, he's going to be back in here. This is going to be awesome. The deer disappeared. I've never seen a deer since. No idea what happened to the deer. I mean, I know that you for about a minute you said that you found his sheds and then we lost you for about a okay minute. yeah so go ahead and say you know you found his sheds and then cut right back into it so we found the sheds that year and and i thought here we go we're going to be right back in the game with this deer and you know now i'm thinking gosh if he just puts on 10 inches i mean he could be 190 inch typical i mean they're a 200 inch typical wow. you know world-class kind of deer and I was so, man, I was so fired up to hunt that deer. And he literally fell off the face of the earth. He lived through that. He made it through that season for us to be able to pick up his sheds. And then he was coming. I mean, and still to this day, he's never showed back up. So I don't know what happened to that deer. But to me, you know, there's a deer that, I mean, that, that got away that, man, that one hurt. <laughs> that one I had so much fun playing the game with that deer. I mean, that's to me, that was some of the most fun that I've ever had hunting a deer. And I never got the deer. I mean, that, that to me, like, and, and I guess if I, you know, the one thing you can learn or the one thing that I learned anyways is, you know, we're all, natural born killers you know we're all hunters i mean we all we have this instinct about us and i think the biggest thing that sometimes is when you get a gut feeling you need to act on it and don't don't talk yourself out of something you know if you think that's the tree but oh, i don't want to do that because that's not you know the safe route if i go back over here then at least that way i won't booger him if he comes out does this or that if your gut feeling is to get into that one tree right there, which my, I had that, that feeling numerous times on that deer. Um, that I, I should have acted on it instead of trying to play the safe route. Um, because that's why he beat me. Got to take risks to kill big deer. That's what you said, you know, towards the end of the, the beginning of the episode there. And I believe that man, but I mean, that many encounters, 
that many close to have him draw dead to rights, you know, 15 yards and him not to stop. And then the damn does are always getting us, man. Mm-hmm. They're always getting us on, you know, you're, oh, yeah. you're drawn. I've had that happen where a doe, you got him right there, the buck's dead. And then luckily mine, the doe spooked and he ran out and I was still able to get a shot on him. But it's really hard to watch six different deer at the same time when you're trying to shoot one of them. So I had a deer that I called homeboy did the same thing. I had does real close and I drew on him and she spooked and he spooked and then he ran out, but he didn't want to lose his doe. So the doe ran the opposite direction and he was wanting to come that way. So he just stood out there quartered away and I was able to get one in him, but I had to hold my bow for like a minute, the longest people say a minute, but you hold your bow for a minute. You know what that's, you feels like you're like, Holy smokes. And it's a long time oh, holding dude. the bow. It was on my knee down. I wasn't even on the peep. I'm just holding it, holding it the whole time. I'm like, well, this is over. What was funny was there was a really nice eight pointer right here <laughs> that didn't do anything was still browsing. So I was like, man, I could kill this eight-pointer, but I really want to kill this one over here. So I was like, if he spooks, I'm going to let my bow down, then I'm going to kill this one. That was my game plan. So I had a backup. I had the backup going on. But, yeah, that's sounds like, I mean, there's really nothing you can really do. it. And I hate when a deer just ghosts us. Like, got all this history with us. You're putting the pieces together. And then, like, we had a buck we called TT, and just an absolute beautiful deer and. He was there, we hunted him, then he was there the next year, and then we seen one deer, one buck that got hit by a car that had a head cut off when we made a joke that it was him, and then now he's gone. And you're like, well, was that him? <laughs> Did someone kill him? Like, Oh, yeah. And that was like a 170 <clears throat> class, high 165 class deer. The best velvet pictures we've ever had of a deer, mm-hmm. that deer, um, come through back hard horn, you know, and you're just like, you get emotionally attached to these deer. You want to figure them out. That's the beauty of hunting. When you get to the stage of after you've killed a couple, you want to like physically beat that deer. And that's why I got so much respect for you. I feel like in the rut, yeah, you beat them. But if you can beat them in the first 15 days of season, you beat that sucker. Like that is the putting the pieces together. You legitimately beat that thing. Um, And then after that late season, I still feel like there's, you know, there's a draw for food that they don't have early season there. They have to get up earlier when it's cold. So you still beat the deer, but it's not like that first 15 days where he doesn't have to move. He doesn't have to do anything. You just literally completely plucked him out. You know, you didn't just go out there and he came by or he was going to food or whatever. So that's, that's where you just, you're just putting all the odds in your favor. You're stacking everything in your favor for, the one hunt and that's i mean that's i mean you're just waiting to seize that moment and i think that takes time i think it takes experience i think it takes patience as you get older um to you know learn to you know say yeah i want to go in there and hunt that deer you know and just be so eager to get in there but you know, that's where you just know that I'm going to set back. I'm going to wait for this to develop even more into the point where it's like, okay, now I'm going to go in and I got the best chance I possibly can to kill that animal. Because I can honestly say that most of the time during the early season, 
and I kind of joke, it's kind of more of a joke. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not serious, but then again, in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I am killing this deer tonight or yeah. tonight. This is happening. You're willing it to like happen. This, yeah. It's, and I think just having that confidence in, in your setup and how you're, you know, you're strategically planning that whole situation. And when when you can be patient enough to set back and wait for some things to align, um, to me, there's nothing sweeter. I love, you know, knocking one down, you know, early in the season. Um, I will say, though, sometimes I'm like, you know, season goes along and then all of a sudden some other big deer show up. Dang it. Yeah. Two months luckily. So I got a 12 year old son now. So I'm like, okay, well, and he shot his first one last year. And I was like, I took him over to a farm last year. We had a couple pretty good deer over there. And, um, he had, and he had never shot a deer period before. And he had a, he had, uh, a doe come in a couple of does come in at first and i said dude you can shoot one if you want you know like he's like no i'm wait on a buck i was like okay so then two two small bucks started working away across the field that night and, and uh i didn't know what he's gonna do i was like are you gonna are you gonna shoot one you want to shoot one of these one of these bucks and because the way he was talking earlier and in, in there i was like I think he wanted to hold out. Like I was like, man, I hope I didn't ruin him. Like, cause he just sees, yeah, you know, dad shooting big deer. And I didn't want him to, you know, I wanted him, I wanted him to shoot a doe or just a, a dink or something, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. And once that deer got in there, it was just a little four point. And he was like, no, I'm shooting. I'm like, okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> he shoots that deer. And as soon as he shoots that deer, I turn and I look down the fence row at 60 yards and there's a 150 inch eight standing there. Oh God. <laughs> and I said, I said, Mason, look at this big buck. And he's like, Oh dad, we should have waited. And I'm like, nah, you yeah. shouldn't have waited. You yeah. shot, you shot the right deer. Yeah. You shot the right I deer. I said, we'll get, sure. we'll get, we'll get him next year. You, you can shoot him once you get a couple under, under your belt. Yeah. But, and then he was, and then he was ready to jump through the window, go get his deer. I'm like, just wait, yeah. just wait, hold on. You gotta wait a little. Hold bit on. Here. All right, but, man. Well, we'll we'll wrap it up here. I appreciate you coming on for two episodes and spending a couple hours with us here. Um, I know that the listeners can take take some good value from this. You know, go with your gut. That's a super solid message, and I guarantee you that. What I was thinking about just stuff with us where we mm-hmm. actually went with our gut, and it's like, yep. And then I was thinking about the time I messed up on chaos. I was like. I need to go one stand deeper. Didn't go on the mobile cam while I'm out there hunting, going right past that stand. You're like, damn it. You know, like you said, you have some kind of instinct where you have an idea, just like when we were going to go in on the ground last year. The gut feeling was, man, we need to to go back in there. We never went. You know, it could have been a game changer to go in there and maybe we would have picked up some sign on the way in or maybe we would have, you know, seen the deer or seen a deer make, you know, make a move. So, that's a great you lesson. Take, yeah. You have to take chances to, to kill big deer. Um, and if you don't, uh, you're going to, you're, you're not going to fill as many tags as you, as you're going to eat. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I just truly be, believe in, 
believe that, that if, you know, you got to take some gambles and, and, um, and I'm still, and I, and I think all of us kind of do this even now, like there's still times where I revert back into those old habits at times. And then I'm like, ah, oh, quit it. You know, like quit doing that. Why are you like, this is everything, you know, these are the things that you don't do and the things that help yeah. the things that I'm talking to you guys about, you know, and I, and I'll, I'll still revert back to that stuff sometimes, but take some risk and, um, follow your gut. And I, I think, uh, uh, you know, you'll definitely get a lot more cracks at big deer for sure. All right. Well, that's a perfect way to end it, man. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me guys. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Four in the morning, red Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Up in the sky